It is time again for another episode of BeelerCast. Today I've got Kurt Donnell, CEO and President at Freestar, and we talk automation, we talk people, we talk roulette, we talk golf. Oh, we have so much that we talked about and uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure that you will too. So with that, welcome to BeelerCast. All right, welcome, Kurt, to uh, BeelerCast. So excited to to have you. I enjoy doing your podcast. I hope you do enjoy doing uh, the, the BeelerCast as well. Um, and looking forward to our conversation. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Is this like the Jersey swap of podcasts that we're doing yes. here? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love it. Well, we had a lot of fun in the last conversation. Uh, since we talked, I feel like one of the things that's really blown up uh and i'm gonna say chat gpt gets all the credit for bringing up a much bigger issue than chat gpt even is which is this idea of automation and and so forth and i'm i'm kind of curious it, it seems to be a top topic in at was at base camp and all the conversations i'm having i'm kind of curious what automation is meaning to you right now as we're heading into 2023 yeah so Automation and sort of the data science side of our business is something we've been pushing on pretty hard here over the last year or two. Um, we, we affectionately call it our ideal ad stack technology, but we really are trying to leveraging data science and ML put together the perfect set of bidders, the perfect auction mechanics and everything to optimize the auction for our publishers. And that is everything from dynamically setting timeouts based on things like uh, device type or browser or even connection speed things like that making sure that we've got the right bidders in there which ones are client side which ones are server side and really optimizing that down to almost a user level based on the individual auction mechanics that are there and so that's an area that we've done a lot on the automation side you know certainly elements are just running our business from a onboarding standpoint you know internal things are being automated but as it actually impacts the auction itself those are some of the things that we're doing on our side that then let's our team focus on some other things. You know, a lot of that was done historically in a more manual fashion. We've been able to to kind of bring that into a, a sort of new version here over the last, I would say, year or so, which has been fantastic from our side. Yeah, it feels to me that uh, for for some time, some of the people really kind of managing programmatic have enjoyed the pull down the spreadsheet work on it, look to optimize, make a couple of changes, kind of see where that goes. And I I feel like that level of control and levers isn't really quite generating what you need. And I love the push toward the user level, right? Because oh, everyone yeah. really, they consume the internet different from each other, right? So the idea that you could sit there and have that ad experience somehow be different for each other, I don't know a programmatic person who wants to do that. I don't know. I don't know anyone in ad ops that wants to, to, to play switchboard operator as uh, as people come <laughs> to the site. Yeah, we had that a little bit with our flooring algorithm that we introduced. Um, we acquired a company that had a very interesting flooring technology they had built. And so we then rolled that out across our entire network of publishers. I will say the sort of OGs on the programmatic side definitely liked having their hands on the dials and working through flooring and everything. And there was a little bit of a... I don't want to say culture shock, but a little bit of a change that, wait, the automated algorithm is going to be doing these things that I've been doing. And so, you know, with change, obviously, people have to go through the uh, the stages of that and just getting accustomed to the fact that a machine is going to do something that they've been doing took a little bit of a, a leap for them and trusting. And then, you know, 
trust but verify with anything. But once they'd verified, okay, this is actually doing a good job. They kind of came around to the fact that, okay, this frees me up to do some other things that I've maybe wanted to do, didn't have time to do, or the things that kind of really more people centric and they have the opportunity to focus on the things you can't automate. And so that has been a nice change, but it definitely took a little bit of time for them to process that because forever they've been hands on keyboard and the dials and the knobs and all of those things, you know, <laughs> or what they did, right. That's, that's how you felt your value that you were adding that. And I think all of us have those changes when automation comes in where you're just not doing something you did before. So I'm going to, I'm going to try an analogy. I literally made up in the spot while you're talking, we'll see if this works. Right. But there's almost a part that, you know, what, what came on my mind is that let's not lose the fact that there is some art to this science. Right. And so there is some yeah. aspect of people having control and they're feeling like maybe they're losing something. And the analogy that popped in my head is think about a painter, right? Like if you're like at one point, if you were an artist, you made your own paints, right? You went out and you got everything to make the paint to then start the painting process. And I'm sure there were some people like, oh man, I really like that part, right? <laughs> Other people are like, yeah, I get to paint. I get to paint. Like, right. let's let's do. You make the paint. I'll use the paint and 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 do things. And I think that that's the the part that we all have to start to to recognize. There's going back to ChatGPT. There, there may be not a, re you know, there may be no reason to really start with a blank page sometimes to write something when you can yeah. collect some thoughts and then start to to build. Editing is going to be the new writing, right? If you will. Yeah. Um, and I think operations, right? Whether direct and or programmatic, it's going to be the same thing. We're just going to have different starting points as to when you when you kind of weigh in and and so forth. I'll stick with sort of our yield team, obviously, which focuses very specifically on optimizing our publisher's revenue. They're the ones probably most impacted by some of the automation things I've mentioned that we're doing right now. And there's sort of a term that we've started to use over the last couple of years. And I'll give Matt Burgess and my team a little credit for this. It's freedom within a framework. Like you want them to still be artists sometimes, but there's an element that, that is science and the data there should guide a lot of the decisions. But there are some things that you really want the people thinking about or, and that's probably more ad layout, things of that nature. You don't want things just flying all over the page. And particularly we tend to work with kind of mid-sized enterprise publishers that are really thoughtful about user experience. And if it was just strictly, you know, AI driven of, okay, the ad should be here, da, 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 and shit's moving all over the place. Like that just doesn't suit the user very well. So there is that art element of it, but some of the other things, whether it's timeouts or who should be client side or server side in an auction, uh, you know, that is the science piece of this. And so there's the freedom within a framework of this is the general lay of the land of what we're going to do. And then here's the things that you can go tweak and work on and really optimize on that side. And so I think that's kind of that balance of, you don't need to necessarily make the paint anymore, but you can go paint, but it's inside of this canvas. I think that's kind of the, the balance we all need to strike a little bit. And, you know, there's a part of that, that, that makes me think, you know, there are so many, so many things going on in our industry. Um, I'm going to cover on a couple of them. One, one, I think is just some of the existential changes coming to it, to things like SPO and so forth. But I want to, I want to start with a little bit bigger picture, which is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you're working with companies that are looking to you for direction and, there's so many questions going on out there. Like, um, will email email address um, driven identifiers stay in the test of time? Data clean rooms, SDA, all these things. Oh, and then just more regulation. And then what is Apple doing? And like, 
You know, uh, one does not come into this industry to be bored. Uh, you're, you're literally your job changes um, with things beyond your control, right? Um, and I'm kind of yeah. curious as to how you how you connect what you were talking about with automation to uh, the approach on some of those those things. Yeah, I just a quick comment on your point of this changes your job changes all the time. I I left ad tech for a couple of years and realized I missed that element and actually came back because it's a new job and a new role and figuring out a new problem every six months, if not six weeks or six days sometimes. And so I, I'm fascinated by that. I think it's what makes this so much fun. And so you can view that as a challenge or you can view it as a, a very fun opportunity. And I, I see it as the latter. I truly enjoy the ever-changing element of this. Um, when I think the automation, how that plays into it, whether it's the privacy side of things or how we're targeting all of that stuff is that is the human piece of this. And if we can automate the elements that really don't need the human side of it, they can go attack those tougher problems. Like a, how are we going to adapt to different privacy laws? You know, there's certain elements that, that, that I guess machine learning could figure out somehow, sometime. I don't know how chat GPT is going to figure that out uh, in, in real time <laughs> and get that please, sorted for the company, you know? So yes, please write for me a privacy policy that applies to 50 different States, um, Europe, Brazil, right. and so forth. Come on chat, you know, and then, and then, yeah, yeah all right. It, it isn't, there's a lot more human there, um, good and bad on that front to, to work out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the automation element of that, though, allows businesses to stay profitable, right? If I can get a machine to do some of the things that I otherwise would have had 15 people doing, but then I can reallocate those resources of the 15 people to go attack the human problems, business can keep growing and do so profitably and address this ever-expanding group of problems. The group of problems doesn't get any smaller. We still have to address all of these things. And the more privacy laws there are when it was just, you know, on the European side, now the states are doing it. We've got to address more problems. Like it's not getting any uh, smaller the amount of work we need to do, but it, we can do it with perhaps the same amount of people if we adapt to and use some of the technology that's available. And so that's kind of how we think about this is, you know, classic work, smarter, not harder situation, but how do I keep my revenue per head count growing in a time frame when there is more challenges every single day to go attack and more states to go deal with and all of those things. And that's where I love leaning on the tech side of it. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, part of me is wondering as you, you work with so many different sites and again, you are kind of there, the brains behind the monetization for them, right? You're, you're working through all that stuff is, how are you talking to them about all of these these challenges? I, you know, I'll, I'll share with you my my opinion coming out of our our base camp event, yeah. where it's really hard to place strong bets on anything right now. It's a little bit more of you know roulette of not putting it one one number, but you start to put it across things, and I think we're all trying to figure out what can we actually do until you know, the shoe drops on one area or, or whatever, especially all these regulations and Apple and all these types of things. I'm curious as to how you, how you tell people we're, we're working on this. We are on top of this. And at the same time, you know, unless you less Kurt. And again, we can whisper if you've got this whole thing figured out, <laughs> there's not so many people that listen to this podcast that like, we were not giving away state secrets. So if you figured it out, yeah. let me know. Let's go ahead and whisper. The, uh, before you even said it, the roulette table was the analogy that came to mind for me too, is I think you got to place a lot of bets, a lot of places and understand that you're going to 
I don't want to say lose a lot of those, but that the net impact is a win over time, but you got to spend time and energy doing a bunch of things, whether it's working with a dozen different identity providers to see who wins on that side of things, testing, you know, different bidders from the demand side of things. I will say we've historically worked with a ton of different folks on the demand side and you know, for some reasons like the unfortunate EMX downfall or anything, we're taking a real fresh look at that side of do we need as many bets there? And we're actually trimming back on the demand side a little bit to make sure that it's obviously the highest quality, but making sure there's real incrementality to that. But then you got to keep testing the new thing. So I think this industry is very much sort of a test, learn, iterate thing. Our job as the publisher's kind of advocate here is to do all of that on their behalf. And so we work with multiple different video solutions. We work with multiple different bidders, multiple different identity providers, all of those things to test. I don't think there's a clear winner, obviously, on the sort of identity side yet. And we don't even know if and when cookies are going away. I mean, they will go away at some point in time. Google's not notoriously uh, very good at hitting their timelines on things so i'm not sure that's well look, happening that's you know, that's just plain soon. out mean kurt i mean it's <laughs> you know um they, they they're kind of they're kind of put against the wall of like you got to fix this and at the same time what are you doing like every every move but i'm not i'm not here to defend them but yeah i think you're just your, your point no, no, I, I love my friends over at google but let's just look at Stats here. They it's, pushed back a deadline or two over the years. It's happened. <laughs> and that's totally fine because it's keeping the internet working. And I don't think they're going to cut themselves off at the knee until there's another good solution in place that works for all sides of the industry. I'm not saying that to pick on them. They're in a precarious spot, obviously, with the antitrust stuff. They just got a lot going on. So yeah. we'll see if and when, you know, this is another cookies podcast. But I think we got to keep the bets on the table right now to find out what does win. And I think from the publisher side, if they're doing this themselves, and it's certainly what we're doing, are we actually seeing uplift from all these solutions? And, you know, we got to, you can only work with so many people at some point in time, right? And you got to trim off the ones that aren't working and test the new ones. And that's programmatic advertising to some extent. It's always a iterative process, but it takes a lot of bets and a lot of energy. And, you know, I think that's, I guess, why companies like Freestar exist is take away all that hassle like i you know jokingly say complexity is our friend because <laughs> the harder it is for a publisher the more value we can bring but it is what we do and eat breathe, right. sleep every day and you know that's why we exist yeah so one thing is you're helping me again on analogies today and in one of the things that you said about the um roulette you know uh table like and and playing that is that in, you know obviously you you lose uh, in the casino, the house always wins, right? But there is an aspect of this, right? Like with that analogy for us to kind of remember that there are ways to place multiple bets and do everything you can to ensure that you win, right? So in my mind, that comes down to publishers understanding their audience, publishers understanding their first party data, right? And what I like about, again, what you do is not only are you automating to make your work that you do more efficient, but it's allowing your partners to sit there and go, let's understand our audience better in ways that's going to drive up advertising, you know, revenue um, or get them back. You know, I'm always about the user that does more than one page view, right? Those are my favorite people in the world, right? And like anything I could do, just get that one. I mean, cause I just essentially doubled my revenue per user with that thing. That's not easy. That's not easy at all, right? But as if I'm thinking more on the editorial side, I'm working on that. Yeah. 
you'll follow up and you'll you'll take care of the the CPMs and the and the revenue piece. But I think that there's some parts of that that like I really hope people out there are are working the problem and are are trying out these multiple bets. Um, and at the same time, there's some of it that you kind of like in your core, you know, this is probably a really good bet, regardless of kind of how these pieces go. So anyway, um, you hit on, and I think you really kind of addressed it, uh, but we'll, let's put a name to it, which is SPO, right? Which is the other, the other thing. Um, you talked about your own strategies there in terms of limiting number of demand partners and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about, again, how you feel publishers, what level of control, what should they be thinking about and doing as, as we try to figure out better ways to optimize how we transact? Yeah, so I may be in the minority here when I read the trades, you know, feels like SPO is awful for the publishers, perhaps. I actually have a different view of it. I think it's a good thing, so it's cleaning up the ecosystem. I think for a long time, a lot of people on the buy side, the sell side, and the intermediary side have all turned a bit of a blind eye to how much of a mess things have been. And we've let pretty crappy arbitrage sites exist, made for advertising, I guess, is the term now exist. And they were sucking dollars away from really quality publishers. But, you know, everybody in the middle of that was taking their fee and making their money. And so we kind of turned a blind eye to it. Um, I think the demand side has done a better job of calling that stuff out now and cleaning that side up, which I think is a good thing. I think we've, on the publishing side, at times benefited from all the bid jamming and sending through things through 50 different pipes. And, you know, the uh, the carbon footprint of the whole thing is an angle of why this is good to clean up, which is true and you know, all for saving the environment. But the, the real good outcome here is it's a better flow of the dollars. More of the advertising dollars are getting hopefully to the publisher if we clean this up. And I think both sides can win. Um, in terms of the role that the publisher plays here, I think it's trying to obviously build as good relationships as you can on the buy side and understanding what are truly efficient paths for both sides. Most industries, you know, vertically integrate at some point in time. And we've been uh, sort of a lot of hops along the way here. And it's because everybody's making money along the way, but that doesn't mean it's efficient. And so, well, you know, you can roast the trade desk for some of the things they've done, say they're just cutting out SSPs or whatever it is. You know, we're a partner of theirs and it's driving incrementality for us right now and has been a good thing. And whether you like what they're doing or not, you know, sitting in SSP, it doesn't make everybody think a little bit more and try to figure out how should this industry look versus just sitting there and this is how it always is. Advertiser agency, agency to DSP, DSP to SSP, SSP to publisher. Like that's a lot of, a lot of things happening to get $1 down to the publisher, right? And so if it makes us all rethink that and get a little bit more efficient, I think that's a good thing for an ecosystem to continue to grow and get more efficient. Sadly, that means certain companies aren't going to make it. There's going to be more consolidation. And you know, sadly, some people are going to lose jobs, but they will adapt and we will find those things where those people can probably be put to better and higher use than just running an inefficient platform or path or something like that so i'm actually a believer that spo is a good thing on the whole there's going to be bumps in the road because there's always bumps in the road but i think it's a good thing yeah i i agree and i i feel like there's certainly ad, there's certainly some ad tech that is built or the business model is built off the inefficiency of the ecosystem and that might work for a while but it's not necessarily the best business plan and if publishers feel like they're losing because that inefficiency has been 
boosting up CPMs over the years, you're 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 in a dangerous you know world, right? You're just sitting there, you're, yeah. you're you know. And I think so. I'm I'm with you in that. I, I think it's becoming a more popular concept amongst publishers to to kind of adopt this and and clean this up, and ultimately. We'll serve the buyers better if we have a little bit more of a relationship and there's just a little bit less in between that that gets us there. So I feel like that's there and I feel like automation is going to help even take that further, right? It's just going to allow us to, to sure. do even more and more things. I had the chance to go to a fairly small event recently. It was about half on the buy side and half on the sell side. And it was interesting to hear the buy side really thinking about this at the holding company level and then pushing it down to the agencies that really thinking about this and i think it's just sort of the time has come one way or another we figured out enough transparency to understand what the supply path really does look like i think chris kane at jones is doing a very nice job of shining a spotlight on this stuff and and bring it to the forefront i think it was time you know the inefficiencies like you said people made a bunch of money uh, by capitalizing on that perhaps this is too rosy of a view but i would like to think that not all of the the savings from taking those inefficiencies out, go to the advertiser. And perhaps if we can get a few more dollars, sure, maybe bids come down a little bit, but maybe a little bit more ends up in the publisher's pocket too, if we're taking some of the, the jumps out here. So I'm optimistic that this actually can be a win-win situation for the buy side and the sell side once we work through those bumps yeah. in the road I mentioned. I, I agree. I agree. Well, think of it this way. Um, the proof is in our product, right? And if we're doing well for buyers, then the CPMs can go up. If, if we're yeah. getting what get, getting paid what we get paid because they don't know better, again, just position that like, and you know, you said something when we were talking about this, about like kind of pride in our jobs and, and what we do, um, right? And I, I want you actually to kind of talk to that because I love what, love what you said, but yeah. there's an aspect that like, if you're a publisher and your like role is like, I love this because of how inefficient it is and what I sell, no one really understands, like listen yeah. to yourself, right? Like. Come on, right. how, how, how can, you know, again, I want, I want, I'm, I'm setting you up to, to say what you said, right? But there's a, there's this aspect of like, like, come on, is this why you're in this game? Is, is that really what it is? So, so I know that's a terrible setup for you, but you, you know, you talked okay. about it. I'll say this, right? I'll give you a better setup. Um, at, at Basecamp, uh, I put it to the group and I was really kind of nervous because this is primarily an operations based audience and you know they can be a little curmudgeon and they can be a little bit salty uh given given the right opportunity but i asked them like are you passionate about what you do and they were it resounded it, like it was it was like a yes we are very much so and uh you alluded to a little bit earlier you actually at one point stepped out or whatever but like yeah. can you kind of just elaborate just like why we should sure. be in this why are we doing this kurt yeah, so I mean, I did leave tech thinking, you know, I had that moment of like, I'm just putting ads in and I'm not curing cancer, you know, what am I doing? I had that that moment a little bit and I actually went into yoga of all things. I helped take a yoga company public and we were buying yoga studios, but I was taking a lot of yoga and thought I was going to peace, love and harmony. And I learned about the business of yoga, which is not as beautiful as you'd like it to be. But um, I, I thought about things a lot. And then the opportunity to come join Freestar popped up. And so I went through that whole, like, just putting ads in the internet thing. But then I also thought through another side of this. And I think there's two angles to it. Partly for me personally, I love building businesses and having the chance to put food on the table, not just for the 185 people that work for us, but 
thousands of people across our publishers. Like we're keeping businesses alive and growing. We've gotten some of the most amazing testimonials from some of our publishers that like, this was a hobby for me. You guys got to the point where I could quit my job. And then it was just me working on my basement for a while. And now all of a sudden I've got five employees and like, I never thought I could do that. And so hearing those stories of you're like helping people chase their dreams to get out of the job that they didn't love doing to go follow their passion because they love writing about sports or whatever that may be that's inspiring and it's great. And seeing the passion that my team brings every day and them able to say this is the best job I've ever had. I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to hear that a lot. And so there's that element of building a business. that's real. The other side of this is we keep the world's information free. Like you can literally go get all of the information in the entire world for free. And so people, you know, oh, I hate advertising. Like, do you like all the world's information for free? You know, I like not having to go get your Encyclopedia Britannica off the shelf anymore. Like this is a good thing for the world and advertising pays for that. So you can say what you like about that whole thing, but there's a value exchange there of give me a little bit of attention on these ads, but I'll give you all the world's information. And I think there's an elegance to that if you really get down to the core of what is happening. So both from the building the business standpoint and sharing the world's information, keeping publishing alive, like I do take a lot of pride in what we do. And while, yes, it's not curing cancer and when I'm having those bad days, my CEO will remind me like, dude, we're just putting ads on the internet. Like it is humbling and a good thing to remember that. <laughs> it's also not just putting ads on the internet that's completely worthless. You know, there's there's a, an in-between there where I can be pretty proud when I lay my head in the pillow. You know, that I, I love that and and uh the aspect of uh helping people you know reach their dreams and do their their dream job, that became really apparent to me recently, uh, where I was just thinking uh with some of my work with like golf.com, how much content they produce in a month about one sport. Mm-hmm. And I realized that they're able to do that because they love their job, they love the sport. They're passionate about that. And suddenly it was like sitting there going like, and that, and my job is to let them live their dream job. And that's pretty cool. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I think about, I'm sure across your, your portfolio of sites, someone is super excited about the fact they woke up this morning and they're writing about that one thing that like, again, some of us would sit there and go like, really? But that's what they That's their world. Right. And we kind of enable that. So there's, there's an aspect of that, like, I, again, maybe this will be the one little clip. We'll just, put everyone to sit there and just every once in a while, remind yourself, you're helping realize (laughs) save democracy, just put on repeat until your discrepancies have have gotten down and you've got the billing out for the month. And uh, that, that creative starts to actually deliver. So we'll just, we'll just put that on loop. You know, you you mentioned golf.com. I'm a very avid golfer. I'm probably like top half a percent of golf content consumers. And so I'm very grateful that somebody gets to be passionate enough to write about that because that's my passion and other people's other things but like that is a beautiful part of the internet and there's some scary places you can find yourself and some weird depths of the internet but there's a place for everybody out there and advertising pays for it so it's a good Kurt I invite you to golf.com and feel free to click on an ad and uh, purchase something um, get your next driver off the off the site thank you very much and that's really the whole purpose (laughs) for this call was just to walk you into that trap it's now recorded (laughs) Um, cool let's circle back and something I want to kind of um, end on because I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about this program that you have. So we started this conversation with automation, which again, we're all digital techies and we all love that stuff and whatever. Uh, and we hit a little bit on the kind of human element of this, which to me, almost to the point we we're just kind of making, you know, the conversation around, which is, you know, I love the people of our industry. Uh, we, we seem to attract 
the characters that we have to just the personalities to the problem solvers. I just feel like, you know, to your point, you went into, you went off to yoga, you came back. There's a reason, Kurt, you, you belong with us. Yep. Okay. But right now you belong <laughs> with us. Um, believe me, I don't, I don't mind celebrating someone getting out. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like it's great when yeah. someone like just somehow gets out of ad tech or, or, or digital advertising, but there's an aspect of like, we are our crew. Um, and I also, I, I mentioned again, the people at Basecamp being passionate about what they do. I, my second question is, are you passionate about bringing people into the industry? And it was a resounding yes, which was so exciting to kind of validate that kind of feeling. There's enough to just sit there and say, it'd be great to get more talented people in the industry. And then there's actually yeah. doing something about it. I'd love for you. And this is your brag moment. I really think this is super <laughs> cool, Kurt. So don't, don't hold back. Talk about the, the program that you have in place to, to get um, people into the industry. Yeah. I mean, like myself and like most people, we kind of stumbled into ad tech accidentally, didn't even realize what we were doing and it happened. Um, and we realized that with that, when we were trying to hire people, we were always looking for folks that had experience, but then kind of zoomed out and we're like, how do people get experience? It's by getting a chance to do it. And so about a year ago, we started this thing we call our ad tech associate program where we're hiring classes of four or five people that come in completely new to ad tech. It can be any either straight out of college or straight from another job. They were doing sales and something else. They're a manager at a restaurant, whatever it may be, but they're interested in getting into this. We bring them in and then put them through sort of a three-month rotation where they get to go shadow different teams they've got a whole curriculum that they go through and then at the end of that they find their air quotes forever home within one of the teams um, at our company and so they get the chance to just cut their teeth and learn and everybody on the team is so giving and kind with their time to help these people get up to speed but they have sort of a formal introduction into all of the different elements and i think have a really good holistic view of it i think a lot of us that stumbled into it sideways you just kind of pick it up trial by fire and learn we're giving these people the chance to actually have the holistic view of it and understand the buy side and understand the sell side and the technical operations. And then even some of the elements of working in our people ops team of how you run a business and how you manage employees and things. And, you know, little mini sort of MBA into ad tech here in a few months, but we've had just great success and found the most interesting people out of the deal. I think it takes a pretty curious person to jump into something like that, but it's been an amazing way to get new not necessarily younger talent, but fresh talent into the industry without experience. And I think it can be tough to break into ad tech a little bit if you don't have some relevant experience that's at least adjacent to it. And so we're trying to bridge that gap a little bit. So it's been a lot of fun and I've had amazing people come out of it. So I'm, I'm very proud of this one. I want to give our people ops team all of the credit. They have done just an incredible job setting up the curriculum and guiding this. And then the rest of my team for being so kind and giving with their time and you know, you could look at these things and say, this is a distraction, whatever it is, but we all look at this as an investment in the future and it's paying dividends for sure. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I kind of want, I'm hoping that that inspires others to, to do similar things. Again, it's uh, the next generation of people coming in, they're going to need different skill sets than we have. I, your, your point about coming into this industry sideways, right? Like I, I sit there and think about just like, how I fell into my role and, and all the craziness around that. And yep. then my first time managing people to everything was all done just kind of like by the seat of my pants, you know, and, and there's a fun part of that. It was very much the, you know, wild west, uh, more, more Oregon trail than wild west. Right. You know, <laughs> yes. 
Um, dysentery. Yes. A whole, uh, yes. Uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to go on record for how much dysentery there was, but there's definitely dysentery. Um, <laughs> but there is a piece of that. That's just like this, you know, we have an opportunity to bring in talented people and kind of move things forward. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. All right. We're, I think there's actually a broader thing here that I think a lot of us grew up just with trial by fire and you got to just figure this out and everything. And there's, no replacement for what you learn from the mistakes. You obviously learn a lot more from your losses than your win wins. I do think though, there are things that we can really help people along from either entering the industry or even just from a leadership standpoint. Like we've set up this whole kind of leadership development program we've been rolling out over the last few months. It's been amazing how eager people are to get involved with it, but you can help people take like jump steps in the process by just leaning in and teaching them a little bit. It's not that they don't want to do it or that they want to make the mistakes and you do need to make the mistakes to learn the things, but I would encourage every company to kind of think about how are you building your next level of leaders? We've sort of got these sort of rising star type people. And then we've got our team leader people and then our captains and then sort of the executive team. But we're like being a little more formal about that process and what you move through. What are the resources that you give to the up and coming folks, extra speakers, a whole management uh, book library that we make like just a bunch of things you can do just help people get incrementally better like we're big believers in one percent better each week and 67 percent better at the end of the year because of it so give your team that chance by giving them the resources and just spend a little time there and you know you'll see great things at the end i can't wait to work with you on some of the things and we're, we're at beeler tech we're thinking a lot about that like you know even just this idea of like welcoming people to the industry and giving them a sense of community right it's not even just within the company but the fact that there's others i mean it it took me a little while to find out that there were other people who did what i did and someone was like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. right? like i'm not figuring this out for the first time and that's right. where my career took off is once i started meeting people who understood what i do all right kurt final question for you you had no preparation for this, but you set yourself up for it. What okay. is your what is your dream golf outing? What is or what do you have slated for the year? What's what's uh what's your what's your dream golf? What do you want to do this year? My dream scenario. So my dad's turned seventy this year and would really like to go play some golf in Ireland, Scotland. So the, there's that. My actual like life dream. I think like most people is to go play Augusta National. The, those that can't see the uh, the video here, because this is a podcast, so that would make it audio. I am wearing a master's hat. I had the chance to go last year and see the grounds and the place is just so meticulously maintained and, and so unbelievable. So the dreams are around at Augusta, I think. Okay. I was going to say, you mentioned Scotland, and we have an event uh, later in the year in October in Edinburgh. So um I don't. See, I really? guess you didn't know that, I, Kurt. Well, I did not know that, but you might have just uh, sold a ticket, my friend. I think I'll be there. <laughs> Selling me drivers on golf.com and then uh, heading over to Scotland. So, <laughs> and that was my dream thing was to get you to click on an ad on golf.com and and buy a ticket to Edinburgh. I we're we're set. I, I've accomplished Nailed everything it. I want. I don't want to overstay my 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 welcome here, Kurt. I always you know appreciate our conversations. Love love catching up with you on things and. Uh, Good luck with all those endeavors and everything that you just laid out. You, you guys are doing a lot of work and uh, exciting to hear. So thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Rob. Really, really enjoy this every single time. Well, that's it. Another episode of BeelerCast. I want to thank Kurt Donald for uh, for the great conversation. I want to thank everyone for, for tuning in. I appreciate that uh, we get to do this and have fun like this. So if there's a topic or someone you'd love to hear speak, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll get them scheduled and let's uh, have that conversation.